Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are here this morning because we need you. We need you desperately, not just when things are bad, but we need you for the very breath that we take. Father God, we need you to fill us with your love so that we might share it with the world. This morning, be with us as we open your word. Teach us from it. May the words that uh, I share this morning be yours and not my own. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen. If you will, uh, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. It's on page 1035 in your pew Bible. It will also be on the screen. I'm reading starting in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That ends the reading. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. It is my uh, privilege to uh, kick off a new uh, sermon series, and it's entitled Be the Church. So we're going to be talking about what does it mean to not simply just come into this building like we do, and we're here today, but to actually be the church. In fact, if, if we think back in history, the, uh, the early church really didn't even refer to themselves as Christians. They referred to themselves as people of the way. And so the people of the way were known by how they lived. They know, we were known that they would gather together, and they would gather together in houses. They would partake in the Lord's Supper. They would worship together. They would teach each other. They had a lot of the elements that we celebrate still to this day as we gather together in the church. But more important than that, the identifying characteristic of the people of the way were that they were the church. As they went through life, they were the church. In fact, when, when God says how we'll know and be able to identify Christians or people of the way, he says we'll do it by how they love one another. We'll know people are Christians by how they love one another. And so we're going to look at in this series how we can be the church. And in particular, I wanted to start it off, I thought the most appropriate way to start this series would to say, how can we be Advent? How can we be who we are, right? What do we say every week here? Love is why we're here. 
Love is why we're here. And so I thought the most important thing to start was, if we say that it's Advent, how can we live that effectively? How can we effectively be the church and effect, live out love is why we're here? And so when we say love is why we're here, I want to talk about who we are, what we do, how we do it, and then ultimately tie that all together. So number one, love is who we are. Again, going back to what Jesus said, um, in fact, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was to sacrifice his life, give his life to reconcile us to God, Jesus prayed a prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a, it was a long prayer. It's recorded in John 17. It's often referred to as the high priestly prayer. And in this prayer, the thing that Jesus prays over and over and over again for us is that we'll be unified, that we will love one another. And he says a couple things. Number one, that's how we'll identify other people of the way by how we love one another. But also, he says, that's going to be how we attract the world. The thing that the world will be attracted to about the church is not a, a shiny building or um, you know, a great sound system or a handsome pastor as attractive as that may be, right? It, it, but what will attract people to the church is as we are living it out, as we love each other, and they'll say, hey, I want in on that. So love needs to be the defining characteristic of who we are. It needs to be um, our uniform, so to speak, right? When you see someone wearing a certain um, kind of attire, it identifies who they are, right? So you might see a professional athlete, and what are they wearing? Their, their, their uniform, their jersey, right? You might see a, um, a construction worker on, on road construction. What do they wear? They wear those, those bright vests so you don't hit them with a vehicle, right? It's just smart, right? And, and certain outfits indicate what that person is, who that person is. Now, I got a picture here. This is uh, a couple of my kids. This is going back a few years. Believe it or not, this is not a Halloween picture. This is just Wednesday. That's just the way we roll at the Franklin household. Um, the little girl on the left is not one of mine, and uh, she's a kitty cat. So you can tell by her costume, her intended role. Um, that's my oldest son, Bear. That's a couple feet ago. Um, He's a little taller than that now. And he obviously is a Christian because he's wearing Miami Dolphin clothes. So, no, he's a professional football player. He's, he's, I think that's Ronnie Brown's jersey there he's wearing. That's my younger son, Cooper, next to him. He is uh, Optimus Prime, maybe? That was Optimus. Yeah, Cooper's nodding. All right, Optimus Prime, right? And then there's my daughter right there. I, I'm not, I don't like her costume at all. I don't know about this bride thing. And then her little girlfriend next to her is uh, Pippi Longstocking, maybe? Does that sound right? Right? And so how we dress indicates who we are sometimes. It shows our role. And so as, as we're being the church, we need to clothe ourselves in love. The thing that will be our identifying characteristic as people of the way, as the church of Jesus Christ, as followers of, of Jesus is that we will be identified by love. And so who we are, we need to be people of love. As we go through life, we need to be showing love, 
that needs to be our jersey, so to speak, that we've got on all the time. And that will, number one, help people to identify us and help us to stand out and be different from everyone else in the world. We live in a a world today that seems to be very contentious, right? People, I mean, God forbid you go on social media, right? There's going to be some sort of bloodshed every day, right? Arguing and fighting. And and I I have a feeling in the next uh, little season, it's not going to get any better, right? But the one thing that we have and that should be unique and that should identify who we are is how we love each other. And how we love people who we don't agree with as well. So love is who we are. Love is also needs to be what we do, right? In this, in this passage that we just read, it's, it's called, above the uh, title here, it's called Love in Action. Love is something that we need to live out. It's not just a concept or an idea, but it's it's. As, as the great band DC Talk said many years ago, love is a verb. Any DC Talk fans? Steve Putnick, I knew I could count on you, right? Love is a verb. What that means is that love needs to be something that we're living out, that we're doing. I find it really fascinating that in the Bible we, we've got a, a couple, two, well, there's really three. There's one in 1 Peter, but it's really short. And then in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12, you have the two main listings of all the spiritual gifts, right? And, it, and Paul both times is talking about how the Holy Spirit empowers us and it gives us so that we can serve the church. But the big thing is right after both of these passages, one of which we just read, is a talk about love. And so what Paul is saying both these times is, hey, listen, you might have these gifts. You might be really good at this. You might be good at serving. You might be good at teaching. You might be good at singing. You might be good at any one of those things, but it's worthless if you don't have love. I mean, in fact, out and out says that in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. He says, listen, if you can speak in the tongues of angels, but you don't have love, you're a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. I don't know what that means, but it means it's not good. <laughs> you got to have love. Love it, it needs to be what we do. There's a, a book I'm reading, and um, you guys are going to get sick and tired of it because it, it's a, one of the best books I've read in a while. It's Philip Yancey's Vanishing Grace. It's a great book. Highly encourage you to go out and get it. It's one of those books, if you've never read Yancey, he's a, he's a great author, easy to read. Um, but I'm, I'm just getting a lot of stuff from this. And in this book is a story. It's a story about um, a DJ named Brandon. And Brandon's a DJ. He's kind of famous now. He actually is uh, Lady Gaga's DJ. But the story is about back in the day before he's famous. And before he was famous, he was um, at like a church meeting. And he came across this passage of scripture. It's 1 John 3, if you want to turn there in your Bible, you can. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. You guys can probably believe me that I'm not making it up. It won't be on the screen. But 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18. And it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. If any one of you has material possessions 
and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. In other words, we have to live out this love. And so this man, Brandon, he heard this message, and then on his way back to his Brooklyn apartment, he's walking, and he comes across a homeless woman. And he sees her, and she's like, hey, do you have any money? Can you help me out? And he very honestly says, no, because he has no money. And he sees her again and again, two or three, now maybe four times he sees her, and He hasn't quite made it as a DJ yet, so literally he has no money. So he honestly, each time, says, no, I don't have any money, I can't help you. And he says it in a nice, respectful way because he's got this this message on his heart, right? Love needs to be something that we live out. And so he wants to help her, but he just doesn't have the means. And so she actually responds and she says, well, you better not have any money because you say no to me all the time. Now, some of us probably wouldn't have responded to that very well, right? Anyone ever get irritated at people asking for money, right? It happens sometimes, maybe. And, but Brandon had a great response. He said, you know what? I'm on my way to a job interview. If I get this job, I'll buy you Chinese food. And so sure enough, he goes to the job interview, he gets a job, and he, he, he's a man of his word. He comes back and he buys her Chinese food. He takes her out to Chinese food, and, and what happens is a friendship's formed. A friendship is formed, and, and Brandon ends up losing this job, and here this, this homeless woman on the street goes and buys him groceries and brings him groceries after he loses his job. And when his, when his heater breaks, she knits him a blanket. Tim Eubanks also provides that service as well. Eubanks there. If your heater breaks, he will knit you a blanket. That's not true, actually. He might. I don't know. Tim, Tim might do that. I don't know. He's a nice guy. He really is. But no. And so through this one act, this friendship is born. And this relationship develops. And, and Brandon says, far more than I ever could have given this woman, she gave back to me. This woman that had nothing. It was literally homeless on the street. But this one act of living out love changed his life and it changed her life. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to live out this life of love. But don't take my word for it. I think we have some uh, experts that we need to hear from. Love is like over a gillion stuff. Helping someone even if you don't want to. When your parents or your teachers don't tell you to. Giving away stuff that you really, really like. If they want a toy, I'll share. Sale. Toys. It's smiling and saying good things about them. I should say, you have very nice clothes on. I hope my mommy. I played with another person on the playground and she didn't have anybody to play with. When people are loving to me, I feel like I should do it to someone else. Because Jesus is the same for us. It's like your daughter says you have not do to you. That you should treat the other one just like I've been treated before. Not like bad, but the kind of been good treated. 
Nobody really wants to play with somebody who's being mean. Being kind is helping those in need. Give them some food. Get fish and bread and green beans and peas and apples. I'll ask my mom and or dad. Can we go get food for this hungry person that I found? Um, <laughs> Rob is hunting your mom and helping her wash the dishes. I just get the water feed and just spray them. People show me love by holding my hand, and they also give me a kiss from the head when I'm asleep very lightly. There's people that don't get love in other places of the world. You help them. Just help people. If we show people love, they can spread it all around the world. Okay, come here, Mommy. <laughs> I'll show her something. I'll show you something. Come here, Mommy. Isn't that adorable? But there's something also just so profound about children and how it's just obvious to them that love is something you do. Even at the end, the little boy doesn't really know exactly what to say, so what does he do? He says, come here, mommy. He shows us what love is. He gives his mom a kiss, right? And now, a, a little side note, I'm not really sure about the little girl in the purple, right? She said, you go to your parents and get them to get food for the, for the person who is hungry that you found on the street. I don't think you should be doing that, kids. Don't go find hungry people on the street. Bring your parents with you to find the hungry people. Don't go on your own and then go back and get your parents. It's not safe. But, you know, it, it's, it's just so simple to them. Live out this life of love. It's an action. So love is who we are, love is what we do, and love is also how we do it, right? Love um, doesn't simply just become um, our identity, it doesn't simply become our actions, but sometimes we can do things that are good things and do them in a not loving way, right? Anyone who's ever had teenagers knows this to be true, right? You can maybe ask your children to um, obey you in something. Let's just say it's cleaning your room or whatever. And they may do it and make your life miserable the entire time they're doing it, right? In, in the Bible, we have Jesus giving us the parable of the two sons, and he says there's a father, and he asks his sons to do work, and one of them says, oh, absolutely, Dad. I'll do it. Yes, sir. Very respectful, but he doesn't do it. The other son huffs and puffs and complains and says, I'm not going to do it, but he does it anyways. And Jesus says, which one is right? Well, the answer is neither of them, right? Right, neither of them. One actually did the work, but he had a bad attitude. He wasn't loving in it. The other one was loving, but didn't do the work. Right? And, and love is that combination of those things. It's, it's not simply our identity as Christians. It's not simply what we do, but it's also a lot of times how we do it. How we do it. There was a, um, an old pastor, and he, he was the president of, a, of Word of Life Bible Institute by the name of Jack Wurtson. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Jack Wurtson, but I, he was a guy that impacted my life in a tremendous way. I didn't have a ton of interaction with him. I went to a Word of Life Bible Institute in the, in the summer, a couple summers in a row, and um, he, he would speak 
He was not a very good speaker. Yeah, he just wasn't. I mean, but something about Jack Wirtz and there, it just, everything he did, he did in love. And it just exuded out of him. And it's just like, I don't know if you've ever been around one of those people, you just want to be near them. Because love is just pouring out of them. And that was Jack Wirtson. It was everything he did, he did in a, in a loving way. He could be plunging a toilet. He could be, I mean, he was, he was preaching. And some of the stuff he said made no sense. And yet still at the end, I was like, boy, I want to love God like this guy loves God. He's awesome. It was just so powerful. And love is, is sometimes it's how we do things. Going back to... Uh, this book, Vanishing Grace, there's a story about Martin Luther King Jr. And he, was, uh, he had been arrested and he's in jail and he writes this sermon while he's in jail and, and part of the sermon says this, to our most bitter opponents, we say this, do to us what you will, we'll continue to love you. We can't in good conscience obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. Throw us in jail, we'll still love you. Bomb our homes, we'll still love you. Threaten our children, and we shall still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at midnight and beat us and leave us half dead, and we'll still love you. But be assured that we will one day wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves, we'll appeal to your heart through our love that your conscience will win you in the process, and our victory will be a double victory. You see, even doing something like suffering, like being persecuted, he did it in love. And the whole goal of that was that, that ultimately through love he would win over the people that were doing this awful thing to him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer did the very same thing when he was in a Nazi prison camp. German pastor, right? And he was going against the Nazis. And he was saying, hey, what they're doing is wrong. And so what do they do? They took away his family. They took away his titles. They took away his money. They beat him. They threw him in prison. They even stripped him naked. And there he is, naked, beaten, at the lowest of all low points. And he says, you can take away my titles. You can take away my money. You can take away my dignity. You can take away my clothing. But there's one thing that you cannot take from me. I love you. Wow. How powerful is that? For, for MLK, for Bonhoeffer, love was not simply their identity. It wasn't simply the actions they were doing towards other peoples. It was their very being. It was how they operated in everything. And that's how we be the church. Here's a picture. Um, and it, this, it, this picture might not mean a lot to you, but... Um, this is, these are the, this is a picture at Gold Rush, um, the camp that our students go to. And this is, I don't remember what, what year it was, it was back a few years, but these, these, are, um, these are Boca teenager hands that have never done much more than text before in their life. And as you can see, they're bloody and dirty because they're out working and they're serving people in love. 
And I, was, I, I remember, that I was so proud of them that day because there was like no complaints. And it was hot and sweaty and, and they're all working and, and, and hear their hands at the end of the day. But I was so proud because not of what they were doing, not of who they were, I was already proud of them. I was proud of them because of how they served in love that day, without a single complaint. And maybe it's just because it's going to make their thumbs stronger for faster texting. I don't know. But they worked hard, and, and I was just so proud. And that's what we need to do. We need to give our all to serve others in love. Love is why we're here. That's what we say every week here at Advent. It's what we're all about. But when we say that, we start with the idea that love comes from God. Going back to, to 1 John again, it says, this is what love is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins. You see, that's where it all starts. You see, we gather together, we come to church to get filled with this love that God pours out into us so that we can be the church. We come to church so that we can be the church, right? We gather together, and it all starts with Jesus. I was, um, when I was in college, I went to a small little college in, um, well, Lookout Mountain, Georgia, which if you're familiar with that part of the country, it's right in the northwest corner of the state of Georgia. You actually some weird way have to drive through Chattanooga, Tennessee to get there. Um, it doesn't make sense, but I'm just telling you that's the way it happens. So you, you get there, and while I was there to, to kind of help pay for college, I had a paper route for a while. And, and right there, this paper route I had, um, it was only 118 homes. It covered three states. It, the paper route was in Georgia and Tennessee and Alabama. So, you know, I was very accomplished as a paper route person. Um, and, and I would drive and do the paper routes. Most of the time it was the days, but Saturdays you'd have the big Sunday paper, right? And then there was extra deliveries. And so I would drive. And uh, I can remember one night I was driving. And you know, when you're a <coughs> younger man and more foolhardy, sometimes you have this like overwhelming desire to test the limits of your fuel gauge, Right? Be honest, guys. We've all been there, right? Like, I can, I can squeeze. I know I can get 50 more miles out of this thing, right? And so I remember one such night, and I'm delivering the papers, and, and I knew there wasn't, you know, in my tri-state uh, paper route, I knew there wasn't a gas station for a little bit, but I knew, also knew I can get there. And, and I got there, you know, I was getting so close, and, and I knew, and I could almost, almost see it. It was like, and I started going, and then, um, then we got to the point where we're now no longer operating on the engine. We're coasting. And I got, I mean, I, I did pretty good. I got really close. I mean, I think I had to push it the last 20 feet to the gas station. But I get to the gas station, and guess what? It's closed. <laughs> no gas. No way to fill up my tank. And, and so when you get to the plane, I don't, I'm not a car expert. I don't know a ton about cars, but I do know this. An automobile will not operate without gasoline. That's right, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Now, and so, 
That's kind of the principle here, right? When we say love is why we're here, we gather together to fill our tank. And we gather together to fill our love tank, and God fills it to overflowing. And then we go out and we share the love of Christ everywhere we go. Because it's in us. It's Jesus in us. It starts with him, right? We celebrate that every week. Jesus loved us so much, he gave us his body. He shed his blood to reconcile us to God. That's love. And we do that and we remember and we partake and and we fellowship with each other and we're filled with love. And then we go be the church. So I'm going to close this in prayer in just a moment. But when you think about what the church is, don't think about these walls or don't think about the people in your pew next to you. Think about the fact that the church is a force. We come together, we go to church, we come here to get filled so that we can be part of that force. We can be the church of Jesus Christ and we can impact the world and change it through our love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you mostly for your son the ultimate example of love. Jesus, you willingly gave your life for us. What an incredible gift, what an incredible example. Father God, I pray that that you would fill us with your love so that we could go and share it with the world. By your grace, through your strength, God, help us to do just that. Your precious holy name we pray, amen.